Welcome to the Art of Strategic Reaction podcast. I'm Kyle Brost, a strategist and changemaker. I'm the CEO of Spark Policy Institute, founder and principal at Choice Strategy Group, and contributor to Forbes, Thrive Global, and Influencer. I lead at the intersection of strategy and impact, where I turn ordinary individuals into strategists and changemakers. Let's get started. Hey friends, this is Kyle Brost with the Art of Strategic Reaction. Uh, another episode here. Today we have on Jeff Musgrave. Jeff is a killer real estate agent in Florida. Him and his wife um, have been operating a, a real estate brokerage that's been growing at phenomenal rates. And we're going to talk about what some of that growth has been, um, how they've managed to do it, some of the challenges and difficulties in doing it, how they chose where to where to go within the industry, as well as some kind of cool and innovative things that they're doing. Um, you know, they've written a book to help their business. They created Dirt to Doorbell, a full service model that's unique in this space. So Jeff, welcome to the Art of Strategic Reaction. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. And I know my wife wishes she could be here as well. Uh, she had something that came up last minute, but we both just wanted to thank you for having us on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Love having you on, man. Um, so tell us, I mean, I gave kind of this high level quick thing, but tell us who you are. Who's Jeff and, and what are you guys up to? Yeah, so um, I initially got my license in 2010, kind of at the bottom of the market. Uh, it was a very very challenging time to get into real estate to say the least. Um, but uh, I was kind of in and out of the industry for a few years, uh, started a few different businesses, wasn't really full time. Uh, and then I met my uh, now wife, Nicole. Uh, and uh, about two years after I met her, uh, she had gotten her real estate license and had pretty much one of the most killer first quarters I've seen any new agent have. And uh, when I saw how she kind of took to the industry, her and I decided to go full time and really give it a go uh, to make real estate a career. And we really haven't looked back. That's awesome. So, you know, I am not a real estate guy. Um, and it's one of the most frequent things that uh, I get asked is, you know, are you in real estate? Are you doing anything in real estate? Uh, it's never been my thing, but I'm wondering. Was there ever a point when you were thinking about going into real estate that you thought, man, this is just like saturated? Like, I don't know, realtors are a dime a dozen. You know, what am I going to do in this space? Was there ever that point that happened where you thought, man, why, why real estate? So that kind of hit me after I got in. I'm more of the, you know, do things on a quick whim, entrepreneur type. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm going to make it work anyway uh, type people. So, uh, uh, growing up, my dad had a real estate license. I didn't really get too much insight into really how he bought and sold with it, but I knew he had some properties here and there, and they used to manage some rentals when I, grew, when I was growing up. Um, so I didn't really think about it as a career, really, more of something on the side. Um, and then uh, it wasn't even on my radar screen until I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm, yeah. I was like, I mean, I want to get into real estate. This is definitely something that I see a lot of potential in. Uh, so I'll never actually, I'll never forget the day that uh, I, I was I was serving at a restaurant in Tampa and I saw some of these two gentlemen sitting at a booth. They looked like movers and shakers, flashy shirts. They had the watches. They were making calls. And I walked up uh, to them and I said, what do you guys do? I said, oh, we're in real estate. I said, awesome. I want to get my real estate license. Tell me more. And uh, long story short, it was a a gentleman who had sold over a billion dollars in real estate and one of his trainees that was with him. And uh, he was looking for one, one more trainee. And I had my license within 30 days of that. And I had started uh, with him about 45 days later. Uh, so that's kind of how I got into it. And then, you know, I figured out all that other stuff 
later as far as, oh my gosh, there's, you know, one in every 20 people in the state of Florida has a real estate license. This is going to be a little tougher than I thought, but. Well, so that, I mean, that's a, that's a great uh, stat and whether it's true or not, you know, one in 20 people, it illustrates the idea that, okay, now you've gotten yourself into this place where there are a ton of people doing it. Um, you know, you're just competing with a bunch of people. So once you're in that space, how do you decide how you're going to differentiate? How do you decide how you're going to separate yourself in a space that feels almost like a commodity? Yeah. So we focused a lot on the new construction industry. Uh, so pretty much from the beginning, I was being trained on push new construction, push new construction. And at the time when I got into the business in 2010, new construction homes were very, very, very affordable. So um, that has always, that was kind of the niche that I guess you could say that floated me um, till about, uh, I'd say 2013, end of 2013, beginning of 2014, when we really decided to start hitting the road, uh, hitting the ground running, uh, with just with general real estate. So essentially we would, um, we would meet these people who were looking to purchase homes. We would, you know, explain to them why buying a new home is better than buying a resale home and, uh, go around to the different communities and builders and kind of show them what's out there. And typically your new home sales, the, the price point's a little bit higher than your resales. So, you know, you could have a few less of them per year and still end up, you know, with a uh, typically a, a decent income. So um, that's kind of where I mainly started learning from. And uh, I kind of just kind of went with that niche until I really just sat back and said, you know, where do we want to go with this thing? Well, so that's great. Uh, you know, you have had a lot of success as a real as a realtor um, and with your brokerage. Uh, a lot of people haven't, but you had a growth phase where there were some some challenges like any business that grows. And one of the things that you and I talked about before jumping on um, is when you needed some growth capital and what that experience and process looked like. Can you share a little bit about what led up to you saying, okay, we need some help financially to grow this thing and now we've got to go find it. Yeah, definitely. So I guess to um, to, to start out, I, I, I have had some, my wife and I have had some great success in the last few years, but I mean, I went from 2010 to about 2012, 2013, really struggling, learning the business, you know, maybe closing a deal every couple of months. You know, I was sometimes working a part-time job until I really decided to just say, hey, this is all I'm going to do. I'm going to live, breathe, eat, sleep, real estate. And then uh, from there, things just kind of started to, to fall into place uh, at about year three or four. So um, my wife and I, uh, we were really looking forward to opening our own brokerage. And we had finally made the decision that we wanted to you know, open a brokerage and uh, really run with our name. And uh, it was tough. We had a lot of agents in our circle that uh, wanted to come on over and come on board. We went from about three agents to almost 15 agents, uh, what seemed like overnight uh, before we even, you know, had a sign on the door. And uh, about three, uh, three to four weeks after uh, we had told all these people and got everyone jacked up about coming over, uh, my wife and I found out that she was pregnant with our first son. And uh, we, you know, we weren't expecting you know, a son, let alone any kids in our entire future. Uh, so it was definitely uh, something that that threw a huge monkey wrench in our plans. You know, a lot of people were telling us, you know, hey, take a break, don't don't start this brokerage. Have your have your son for have your baby. Make sure that you know you have that in line. And you know, it was one of the toughest decisions we've made because we had all these people that we now had to place 
Um, the one, you know, some of them had already left their brokerages. They had come on over to join the bro and we had to find, you know, other agencies, other teams for these individuals to go to that we would put our reputation on the line that they would be in good hands. So that was very challenging. And then kind of once we got over that, um, my wife and I, we trained a few agents here and there, but we started experiencing some tremendous growth probably right after my son was born in the heat of all of our time going out the window. And we, the challenges that we faced at first were we had no systems in place. We didn't have any pro process and procedure. So all of, all of this business, um, these, these newer agents, there was no way for us to um, delegate our time. Everything was taking time. And that was obviously the most valuable commodity we had. Sure. So when you have less time to apply to your business, you have less time to be out there making money because you're teaching other people how to make money. So um, we would, we ran into, you know, month after month after month, we'd be having these cash flow challenges where the money was there and the money was there next month and it was coming in and it was coming in, but everybody always wants to get paid on the first of that month or on the 15th of that month, you know, your marketing bills are due, you know, rents due, you got your bills. So we had some big challenges with cash flow and scaling and, um, we really had to reach out to, you know, business people that had mentored us in business in the past, you know, business leaders, just individuals that, that we had met and that have really, you know, helped us with our business goals over the years. And, you know, we were, we were looking for a short-term business loan and uh, we couldn't get one because our, our entities, our technical entities were at such a uh, young stage, you know, they were only, the, the actual entities were only open, I think less than two years or less than three years. So we didn't have any business credit. So finding a way to take this fully functioning business that was churning out, you know, money into something that we can show now on paper and have the accounting and the stats and all this to back up. It just took even more time, but we went around to, I mean, I talked to so many different lenders just trying to see what was out there, see if we could qualify for anything. And we kept getting shot down. No, 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 no. And, uh, I had one friend who put me in touch with a friend of a friend of a friend. And I remember I spoke to him and he really wanted us to, uh, to do like commission advances, you know, which is not really what we were looking for. You know, we needed something more of an upfront lump sum to help manage cash flow for, you know, an annual basis. And, uh, I remember the day I, the last day I talked to him, I was actually downtown Tampa. I was, I was in one of the high rises down there on like the eighth floor. I forget what I was doing there. And um, I was in the hallway and I was, I was just pleading with this guy. I'm like, look, the money is here. We have the receivables. We have the, we can show you all the money that's been coming through our, our, you know, our real estate company for the last year and a half. Like, I don't see what the problem is. And he's like, I can't do it. And so I said, well, you know what? That's fine. I mean, we're not really interested in commission advances, no factory, none of that. Um, you know, we're entrepreneurs. We'll find a way to make it work. You know, I appreciate your time, um, but, you know, this isn't going to stop us. I'm going to get the money. So if you can't offer it to us, you know, I appreciate your time, but I'm going to find it. And really, you know, in the back of my head, knowing like this is the last guy, like we've contacted so many people, I don't even know who else we can contact. And I remember he called me back like two hours after that. And he said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going out on a limb here. And, you know, I called around, I got some references, you know, for, for you and your wife, kind of your, um, your business sense, you kind of, you know, your personal, uh, I guess you could say in the integrity that you have kind of, and I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm just going to, you know, loan you $30,000 out of my personal account, um, to, you know, help expand your business. He's like, I don't do this. So 
Uh, and of course, you know, I remember I, I called my wife immediately after we were just like in shock and awe, like this is really happening. Like we're going to be able to continue down this path, you know, going after our dreams. And this is what we've been trying to get for the last, you know, almost two and a half, three months. So, I mean, the terms were horrible. I mean, I don't want to say horrible, but they weren't good at all. I mean, I think we paid back like uh, 12 to 15% interest. I mean, we had $5,000 in closing costs all rolled in. So I think, you know, we got, we had a, got $30,000 to help manage our cash flow, but we ended up having to pay back almost $40,000 in 12 months. And we did it, um, which, you know, looking back, I didn't realize at the time how big of an accomplishment that really was. But, you know, now kind of being a little more mature in business, I see that for a startup, that's a very, very uh, big accomplishment because, you know, we had $4,000 a month loan payments due every month to someone who owned a finance company that was out of his personal account. Like, you know, I don't know what happens if you miss one of those payments, but I've heard stories. <laughs> so, you know, so we were just, um, you know, we did everything we had to do um, to make those payments and it helped us really just focus on our business and stop worrying about, man, we have this next bill due next week. We have this bill due next week. We have this bill due next week. Like where are our closings at? Let us take our mind off of that and just focus on putting in our business systems, focusing on the business, focusing on our clientele, and uh, it helped. It really did, and it saved us because if we didn't get that, I honestly don't know if we would be at the level we're at right now. Um, you know, if that hadn't come through. Well, so that's uh, that's a great story, and there's a subplot in that conversation with the gentleman that I think we need to call out. And when a lot of small businesses are looking for financing, looking for money. If you're a startup and you're looking to get investment or seed capital, um, everybody goes to the data. They go to the analysis. They go to what are our projections? They go to what are our receivables? Where can we prove that we're worth all of this stuff? And I can't tell you how many investors I have spoken with who said it wasn't the data that sold me. Like I can go find businesses that are performing and want money anytime I want. It was the person or it was the vision that sold me. And so I think the subplot that you didn't call out uh, is somehow in that meeting, you were able to communicate a vision or you were able to communicate confidence in you as an individual. And it had nothing to do with the quality of your business because he wasn't investing in your business. He was investing in you and some vision you created. Yeah. I, I mean, I would love to... Uh, I would gladly take credit for that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I honestly, uh, you know, the, the reasoning behind it, you know, looking into it as much as you want. I mean, I, I just thank God that it came through because, you know, at the time we had got accepted to, uh, you know, a business accelerator, sort of a mentorship program that we had previously got denied to in Tampa called the Key Persons of Influence, where they really, uh, you know, you're in this group with eight other, 10 other CEOs, you know, all grossing, you know, over, you know, a couple million dollars in annual revenue. They take one startup every year. And, uh, you know, we got, uh, we got, we got denied. We got denied the first year. The second year we, um, I remember he called me right when we were walking in the hospital, having my son, he said, Hey, you guys got in, by the way, this is how much money you need to, you know, start the program. And so, um, we didn't know how we were going to pay for the program, but we said this network is a network that we definitely think we need to start uh, intertwining ourselves with. And uh, we definitely could learn a lot from, you know, what they're offering. And so we just made the jump. And uh, in the end, it was one of the gentlemen from that, cl that class that, that, that networked with us that put us in touch with the gentleman who put us in touch with the gentleman who lended us the money. So 
it was just, I would say like your business network is probably the, something that should never stop growing. I mean, it's the source of all of your revenue, your clients, everything is your business network. You know, your business will only be as big as the network you have for it. So what, what have you learned about networking and your business network that you think is a, a key lesson people need to understand, need to know, need to be doing? Um, well, if you're in a, if you're in the real estate sector, um, it's challenging. I mean, every really in Tampa, any networking event you go to, I would say there's probably 40% of the people that are there in the real estate industry, whether it's insurance, mortgage lending, real estate, you know, half of them even have name tags on. So you know to steer clear of them if you don't want to get into that awkward conversation. But um, yeah, I would just say like, I like to be more of an introvert where I like to sit behind my computer, go through my CRM, make my call, all of that I love to do. Um, but my wife sometimes has to remind me like, Hey, if you're not out there, you know, meeting people, if not, I mean, just go to Starbucks and make some calls at Starbucks, you know, people over here, what you're talking about, they come up, introduce themselves, you know, even just getting out and doing anything, um, has really just opportunities present themselves more when you're not sitting at home. Nobody comes to your door and knocks on your door or your office door. And they're just like, Hey, I'm looking to make a partnership with a real estate company. Your company is probably the right fit. Let's do it. You know? So that was, that's challenging for me because I, I'm, I'm a really big introvert. And so, especially in sales, like if I'm not out on appointments or I'm not on this, I'm, I'm, you know, managing the website, I'm working on our software, I'm doing the CRM. And, you know, my wife kind of is that little, little voice in the back of my ear. She's like, Hey, I'm out here. I'm out here networking. I'm out here doing this. You need to get out and do this stuff too. So. Yeah. Well, so I think uh, one thing I've, I've definitely learned about networking is it is not a one-off event. It's not. It's not about a conference. It's not about uh, you know having a, a coffee with some guy or some gal. Um, it is a an effort that needs to be consistent. And I've actually learned this more as someone who people come to as a mentor than I did as someone who was going to them. And what I found is people ask me, you know, like somebody. I'll have a call with somebody and they tell me that they're, you know, they talk about their web development experience or they talk about, you know, their CPA firm or they talk about their uh, leadership coaching or they talk, they talk about whatever it is that they do. We talk about it. We engage in it. Sounds really cool. And then I never hear from them again. And yet, you know, nine months down the road, I'm looking for a CPA. I'm looking for something or a colleague of mine reaches out and says, Hey, do you know any good web developers? If they're not consistent in networking with me, they don't come top to mind. So it's not a one-off thing. Like I need people, if they, if they want me to be helping them out, if they want to be top of mind, it's got to be a consistent effort. Otherwise, I'm not going to remember. You know, If you tell me that you developed web two years ago and you never talked to me about it again, I'm not going to remember when the opportunity comes to pass your name along, to connect you with somebody else. And so to me, networking is this thing that has to be very intentional, very consistent over time. That way... When this person you're networking with has the opportunity, you as the service provider actually come to mind. Otherwise, they're not going to remember you. And I, you know, it sounds harsh, but at the end of the day, it can't be just be a one-off thing. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Uh, you know, I never, I never uh, had the advantage of being in the corporate world. Uh, my wife actually has a degree in chemistry, and she was uh, head of a lab for Johnson and Johnson, you know, up in Georgia before she made the leap to just leave corporate behind. So she's seen a lot of that, you know. You know, you have your SOP standard operating procedures, you have, you know, your, your, all your process procedures, all your standards. Um, but from the corporate realm, the business to business relationships are super important. And like, she's really opened my eyes because 
I, you know, I go to a networking event, you know, you shake a couple hands, you meet a couple people, but if you know, you don't really follow up after that, it was almost all for nothing. Like she's like some of her friends that she's introduced me to. I mean, some of the, the things that they do to build these relationships blows my mind because I never would have even thought about it. Like there's uh, you know, someone that she, she has done business with before, um, They'll, they'll find the other businesses that way they want to do work with and they will get on their radar screen however they need to and they will continue to stay on their radar screen until they earn their business it's just i mean i never i never even would have thought of that type of aggressive you know putting yourself where you want to be until they finally just say yes i mean that that type of networking never even got on my radar screen and she kind of opened my eyes to it yeah i have a good a good friend who um we've done a little bit of work together the other day he sent me this you know pair of socks that have my name printed all over them uh and one of the things that he does that's kind of kind of in the networking space is if he's headed to a city he will actually target the news broadcasters of that city with Facebook ads prior to him getting there so that when he gets in the city, if he wants to get on the news, they've already seen his face a hundred times. Um, and they're much more likely to, to, you know, take his recommendation and put him on air. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like just getting in front of the people that you want to do business with. Like if there's a, for example, if there's, you know, a certain client that you've been trying to land, we'll find out what they like. I mean, you could find anything online, you know, you go, go to some of their employees and, you know, send them over little care baskets, go, you know, just get on their radar screen any way you can, because as long as you stay consistent, I mean, they're, they're never going to forget you. And that's, that's definitely something that I've learned, um, you know, through my wife and some of her business relationships that she's developed, uh, just some things that they do to stay on other people's radar screen and grow that network that's, you know, always needs to be growing. So I, I want to talk about, I want to shift the conversation. I want to talk about this book that you, you wrote, and I think that there's a place we're going to get. So I'm going to try to guide you there. You might get there on your own. <laughs> okay. why, why did you write the book? Uh, we wrote the book, uh, to be quite honest, uh, we wrote the book because a lot of our clients, they come from out of state and, uh, what they do is they, you know, we'll, we'll work with them over email and we'll try to really educate them on the Metro they're interested in before they come down. But regardless of how much we talk about it without them physically seeing it, you know, they, they really don't understand it. So they, these clients, they would come into town, we'd meet with them, we'd drive them around for a day and a half or two days just to get a lay of the land. So we wrote the book as a way to, hey, you're going to be coming down in two months. Great. Send you a copy of our book. Read over it. It's going to give you a great overview of the entire greater Tampa Bay area. Let me know one or two of the metros that you read about in there that you think might be a good fit for you. And it's really, it saves us a lot of time when they get down here. It saves, you know, 24 hours of work off of every client. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's really, we were trying to, to really facilitate that because, you know, you never really know what to expect. A lot of people they'll come down and meet with you, but they don't want all their eggs in one basket. So they'll make appointments, you know, with multiple realtors and then you're playing, you know, you know, the shell game and it's, that really has helped us with our customer retention and kind of saving us time when they get into town. So that was really why we wrote the book. It's kind of evolved into, I guess you could say something a little bit more than that. I mean, it touches on a lot of hot topics. I mean, the biggest topic right now in Tampa is transportation and the infrastructure behind transportation. And uh, they're really, uh, they're really trying to find like an actual solution because we're growing at a phenomenal rate. And if we continue this, like our transportation 
solutions are going to be out of date. They're going to be, you know, the stone age. We're going to be, you know, there's going to be so much of like traffic congestion and there's no way for people to get around from metro to metro. So that is one of the biggest topics right now. And we kind of talked a lot about that in our book. You know, we talked about light rail. We talked about expanding the bus system. We talked about current past and future projects that are slated. And so it kind of turned into, wow, these guys, you know, are really putting it all out there of where we're at, you know, as a kind of a macro economy. So investors really took, you know, investors took hold to that too. And they're like, hey, I could start using this information to base some of my future decision making off of for investment properties or this and that. And so it just kind of, it opened up a lot of doors that we weren't expecting, I guess you could say. Yeah. Well, so my, my good friend, Dennis, you would call this embedding and he would talk about how if you can embed yourself into someone's problem, meaning that they're all, they're, they're just constantly led to you as the solution, then that's just this massive win because it's almost impossible for them to leave you. And so by writing this book, you've embedded yourself into someone's experience in Tampa. Like you mentioned, you know, somebody gets this book before they move to Tampa and they read through it. Why on earth would they ever go to a different realtor once you've already given them all of this information? And from your standpoint, it's been passive. You haven't had to be on the phone with them for a long time. Like you said, it saves you, you know, 24 hours of work when they first get there. Um, But it's a, it's a brilliant aspect of actually embedding yourself into someone's life and this the problem that they're trying to solve so that they're led to you and only you as a solution yeah i, I would agree with that uh we you know we didn't we didn't write it to make money off selling copies i mean i think we have every book we sell on amazon i think we make like 27 cents or something i don't even know we didn't want to you know mark it up ridiculously so we, there was a big profit there we did it more you know, I guess you could say for exposure as well, but it was really for our clients and Hey, if we can sell it to the general public too, that's kind of cool. And, you know, it actually, actually kind of a cool story that came from it. We actually had somebody reach out to us. Uh, We actually had somebody reach out to us two months ago. Uh, He had just moved down from New York and uh, he had read our book prior to coming down. He said he ordered three different books and ours was the only one he read because we, uh, we made a double space and made sure we put a lot of pictures, you know, a nice big font because, you know, all of our friends, we were going to make them all read it. And, you know, none of them would read it unless it was a super easy read. So, you know, we made the, we made the, the double, double space, big font, lots of pictures. And so he said ours was really the only one he read before he moved down here. And he ended up calling us and, you know, he's actually just listed his home on the market uh, out here in Tampa now about a week and a half ago. And we're going to be helping him find a new home you know, in the South Tampa area, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but is a more uh, affluent area. So that was just kind of something that happened. That was really cool. I called my wife today. Hey, somebody just read, called us. They read our book. They read, they lived in New York. They read our book. They moved down here and they want to work with us. And I was like, that sounds awesome. And so uh, we didn't expect that type of, I guess, response. Uh, we figured, you know, no one's ever going to buy it and we're going to give away a bunch of copies, which we have. Um, but it just, it definitely, like I said before, it definitely opened up a lot of doors and it's paid for itself. I mean, but I will tell you, writing a book is one of the most grueling and painful processes that my (laughs) wife and I have ever gone through. And we did it. We did the majority of it with a like four month old toddler screaming, like most of the time in the nursery with our, uh, Uh (laughs) it was, it was challenging. Um, so when we got done, we're like, we're never doing this ever again. And 
you know, now a year, year and a half has almost gone by and we're like, well, the information's getting a little outdated. We might have to update it and we're getting a little more open to the idea. Like we could do that again, you know? So I, yeah, well, those pain points wear off over time. So they do. Yeah. Like her and I were just, you know, sick of looking at pages and pages and pages of all this word, because when it's your own writing, you're like, this sounds so dumb. Like nobody's ever going to read this. Like people are going to laugh at us. And then we had a, a great publisher and a great editor that really brought it all together and like made all of our rambling sound like an actual cool, interesting read. So we were really, really grateful for that. And you know, so yeah, we're, we're happy with it. We'll probably end up doing a revised version in the next year or so. There's a nice little lesson on strategy in this. You know, uh, a lot of people think that strategy is like sitting in a room and brainstorming big ideas and then putting out like this whole action plan around some big innovation. Um, and yet I think you writing a book, choosing the topic you did, putting it out the way you did was a phenomenally strategic thing to do. But it didn't come out of this, hey, we're going to do the most innovative thing. We're going to you know, start with this blue ocean strategy. It came from, let's start with something really simple and see, see what it turns into. And I think that that's where a lot of great strategies come from is actually those simple things that can actually turn into something much bigger. Yeah, and I like where you went there with the uh, Blue Ocean Strategy. That is a uh, a great book. I don't know if you've ever read it, if that's why you had said it, but uh, that was actually referred to me, and I loved that read. That was a great read. It is a good book. I have read it. I've read uh, probably about every strategy book you can think of, <laughs> but uh, and I think most of them are crap. But anyway, that's a time for a different. Um, so, talk to me about Dirt to Doorbell. I think you know we're on this subject of strategy. And I think Dirt to Doorbell fits into this category as well as a really strategic move. Yeah. So like I said, um, you know, I had started out learning uh, the new construction side of things when uh, my wife got licensed and she was running full time in real estate. She kind of hit the ground running in the new construction arena as well. She crushed it. You know, she made a solid five figures in her first quarter, which, you know, was unheard of. She was pretty much the backbone to our entire training platform. And uh, so from there, um, we were looking at how can we make this work on a larger scale with builders? And so um, what we developed, um, you know, it definitely didn't happen overnight. Um, we developed a sales and marketing package for, you know, small to mid-sized builders. I'm not talking your, you know, your Taylor Morrison, your Lenars, you know, the ones, these production builders that do thousands and thousands of homes nationwide. Talking about your, your greater Tampa Bay, you know, builders, you know, that, that punch out, you know, 10 to 50 unit developments. Um, we created a sales and marketing package for this type of builder developer that didn't have the time, didn't want to, didn't, didn't want to do anything except hire people to make him the money. And so uh, we, where we come in is we'll design the entire interior, all of your selections, options, upgrades, um, paint schemes, you know, we'll price everything out. We'll develop a full branding package, you know, your logos, the name of the community, all of your marketing materials, your floor plans, everything. We'll come in and do all of that. And then we'll, we'll take care of man, uh, you know, staffing a model center. We'll take care of handling the sales all the way until closing. And so uh, we developed that package and we landed our first larger client in the, in the greater Tampa Bay area not long after. And we've been, uh, uh, I think this year alone, we're set to do uh, a little over 50 or 60 units with them. Um, but from there, um, our, co our contractor that we had met uh, that uh, had phenomenal references had just moved up here from Miami. 
he was looking to expand his business into the Tampa market. Uh, we ended up uh, brainstorming with him and sitting down to see how we could integrate what he offers. And uh, they came up with this awesome little slogan called Dirt to Doorbell. And my wife and I loved it. And uh, we've kind of uh, built out uh, an additional, um, you could say a la carte, but really it's a full package of you have the money, you have the idea, you have the plans. We'll take those and we'll offer you pre-construction services as far as like rezoning, uh, combining parcels, splitting parcels, site work, uh, horizontal development, your infrastructure. We'll do that. Then we'll have, uh, we can take care of the construction, you know, all of your vertical um, construction, building the houses, all of that. While we also take care of that sales and marketing aspect. So we really do fully encompass everything from, raw dirt all the way to ringing the doorbell um, to come see your new friends at their new home. So that's something that we just recently kind of uh, completed as far as like the package, uh, I would say probably about a week and a half to two weeks ago. So we're, we're really excited. We have one client right now um, that is uh, that we're kind of waiting to hear back from. That would be our first client for that entire beginning to end process. Um, so we're really excited to see where that takes us, but it's just, it's definitely a void in the industry here. There's definitely a big disconnect between builder developers and your sales team. And I mean, even some of the large production builders face those challenges. And so we were really trying to streamline the whole process to where, Hey, we pick out all your selections. We'll work right with your contractor. You don't even have to be involved. You'll just sit back, see the progress, get our updates, and then get, collect your checks at the end. And I mean, we've gotten great feedback from it so far. and We're hoping that that continues. Yeah, there's actually there's a theory out there um, by Clayton Christensen, who is a strategist from Harvard. He's well known for disruptive innovation, but his uh, theory that he came out with like a year and a half, maybe two years ago that got a lot of traction was uh, something called the jobs to be done theory. And it's a strategy theory that essentially says, if you want to be really strategic, you need to be able to find a job to be done and then find a way to do that job for another person. So every individual has a job that they need done, meaning they want somebody to do it for them. And the better you can get at getting that job done for them at meeting or exceeding their needs within that job, the more likely you are to actually gain market share. And so what you did is exactly that. You found somebody who had the money, had the resources, had the the desire, um, but needed the job to be done. And you built this, you know, full service uh, offering that does exactly that. Um, so I think from a jobs to be done theory, you, you hit it right on the right on the target. Thank you. Yeah, it was uh, there was definitely a lot of growing pains with it. You know, it takes a lot. It definitely it's a different type of person when you're handling the money aspect. It's a different type of person when you're handling construction. It's a different type of person when you're handling sales. So it was very challenging at first to kind of understand roles responsibilities, you know, who's handling what, um, it was definitely challenging. Um, there was a lot of frustration. Uh, my wife and I probably got into a few small arguments over a few things <laughs> you know, starting from the beginning, but, um, it definitely has come into something really cool where, you know, if you're looking to, uh, if you got a piece of land or you're looking to develop it, well, you know, we can, we have the, capabilities of taking it from beginning to end for you seamlessly with no headache. Um, and we'll just report to you every week with your updates. So it's been fun after we got over the first initial few hurdles. It's definitely something that we enjoy doing. Yeah. Well, I like the way you're thinking about it. I like, I like the, the things that you're testing and that you're trying. I like that you're experimenting with some stuff that you're willing to build this, these things out. Um, love the progress you're making. 
what, you know, as a, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who's building a business and scaling their business, what's the one thing that you wish you had learned much earlier? Um, a million things. Um, <laughs> definitely uh, financial management. And there's probably like 10 different aspects to that that I could touch on. But uh, specifically, you know, you start a business, you're, the first thing you're thinking about isn't I'm sorry, the first thing you're not thinking about is, well, let me make sure I have my books in order for all this money I'm going to make. No, you have to figure out how you're going to make the money first. So we definitely, um, when we really started growing and started like having those challenges, we didn't have any of our books in order. You know, we had to scramble to find a CPA. We got completely just murdered on CPA fees for going back years and years, like two to three years on finances and making sure everything's in order. You know, I would say mm -hmm. QuickBooks online is like 10 or $15 a month, best investment in the entire business world. Like they, they even have plans that are like 10 bucks a month, depending on how complicated your business is. But um, if we would have had something like that in uh, kind of in, implemented from the beginning, you know, I mean, we would have saved tens of thousands of dollars. I'm, I kid you not. Uh, it costs us a lot of money to get our finances in order, you know, not only just to land that loan, but, you know, just in order from a IRS standpoint to make sure that nobody came knocking on our door, which you always want to make sure nobody's going to come knocking on your door. Yeah. So yeah, financial management, definitely. That's a good one. And it's one of, for, for whatever reason, it is one of the most overlooked. Every, you know, entrepreneurs get so excited about the concept and the idea and the product and the service that they overlook those really baseline things like managing your finances. The two things that I see happen in terms of finances within business, small businesses, especially time and time again, that I'm always shocked at. Number one that I see is a person, an entrepreneur who has intermingled their business and their personal finances far too much. And so when they actually start looking at, they have no idea how much they're actually making or how much they're actually costing because they're putting business expenses on their personal account. They're using their business account to fill up their car. They're doing all this stuff. And at the end of the day, they're confused and frustrated why there's not more money in their bank account. And yet they actually have no idea what their real costs are because they've intermingled their finances so much. And it takes, to your point, sometimes you have to go back several years to untangle those two things and figure out, are you actually making any money? And if you are, how can I better you know, use this money? How can I better allocate it? And so one piece of advice to anybody who's getting into entrepreneurship, I don't care what stage you're at, whether you're spending $50 a month on it and making nothing, or you're at, you know, at the 10, 20, $30,000 a month phase, you've got to separate your business and your personal finances. And to your point, have a system to be able to track that stuff really cleanly. So that's number one. The second one is actually something you talked about at the very beginning. So this is a nice come around is uh, the difference between, you know, revenue generation and cash flow. So a business can be generating tons of revenue and yet not actually be collecting the cash in, in real time. And the problem with that is, so say I have 500,000, well, let's simplify it. Let's say I have $100,000 worth of work on the books that I'm going to deliver over the next four months. But my contract's written so that I get $20,000 up front and I get $80,000 at the end of the project. Well, a lot of people look at that $100,000 like, oh man, we're set. We've got hundred grand that's coming in. 
And yet they've got to figure out how to float themselves for the next four months because 80,000 of that's not going to come in for four months down the road. And then they run into those cash flow issues like you were talking about early on where I've still got to make all my payments and maybe my payments over the next four months are $70,000 and yet I'm only collecting $20,000 of this project up front. And so the two things are that first one, you know, have a system in place, separate your personal and business finances. And number two, get really good at knowing the difference and tracking the difference between what you're generating in revenue and what your actual cash flow is, meaning how many dollars are actually coming into my bank account this month versus next month versus the following month, as opposed to how much revenue have I generated? Because those are two different numbers. Yeah. I remember one month that we were just like, we had, we've had probably $70,000 in receivables over the, the, in the coming quarter. And we're sitting here like, how are we going to pay our, you know, marketing expenses? How are we going to pay this? How are we going to pay that? And so one, one solution that you can always do is, is ask your, you know, your vendors or whoever you work with, do they take net 30? Will they approve you for net 60? I mean, it buys you, you know, the 30 days is a long time in business. You know, you could have someone call you up that has cash that wants to buy a house, quick close two weeks. I mean, those, those are kind of some things that, I mean, it got down to the point where I think one month, you know, we were balancing which ones we were going to pay, you know, two weeks late and which ones we were going to pay one week late. So it wouldn't affect anyone's credit score. And we just made those calls to find out, you know, Hey, if we pay this two weeks late, is it going to hit our credit? Someone said, no, this other company would say, yeah. We, so we would, we were literally playing this shell game um, with our cash flow, And it was, I mean, talk about stressful. I mean, it was unbelievable. And so well, it is stressful, but I think what you gave is a great example of taking some initiative. And it, what a lot of people don't realize is if you go to somebody who has you know payment terms of 30 days, meaning once you receive the invoice, you're supposed to pay within 30 days, and you ask them, hey, can you extend this to 60 days? If they say yes, you've now just saved yourself. Probably you've increased your profit over the next 60 days by probably $1,000 easily. So you think about, okay, say I have something I have to pay that's $10,000. And I don't have the money to pay it now. So my alternative is maybe I use a credit card to pay this $10,000 invoice I have. And my credit card's at 10% interest. So now I've just cost myself $1,000 in interest for this credit card. Versus if I just simply ask them, hey, can you extend this to net 60? Uh, and now a lot of times they're going to extend it at no interest or much lower interest than some of these alternatives. And yet I see people do that all the time where they've racked up because of cash flow. They've racked up all of their expenses, which they'll be able to pay off when the money comes in on cards, though, which are costing them interest. And now that $10,000 when they actually get it in the bank is really only nine, eight, seven thousand dollars because of the interest they've been paying on um, these other mechanisms. And so, you know, really getting good at cash flow and revenue and understanding how to, you know, make adjustments and how to float some of these things can make a big difference in terms of real dollars in your business. Yeah, definitely. And uh, touching on that point too, um, you know, our business runs off of all Macintosh computers, all Apple computers. It's just something that, you know, we never have to hire a techie to come in and fix any of that, but we didn't own one Apple. Well, my wife, let me take that back. My wife had one when she was in college before I knew her. Um, but we finally, we were running off all these, you know, Windows laptops that were old and they just weren't working. And, you know, we had no money at the time. We were just starting up, you know, really hitting the ground running. And we had Mark, we had all these expenses. Um, so Apple actually offers uh, two solutions. Number one, they offer a personal credit card that has no interest for 18 months on any computer purchase, depending on the price of the computer, of course. And then they also have a business department, whereas if you purchase computers from them, 
um, they will, you know, outfit them with all the apps, all the software, all the documents that you need and give it to you, you know, before they even hand it over to you. Um, so those were definitely, um, there's, you can, you know, talk with a business specialist over there, but you know, we bought one computer, one Apple computer. We literally had 18 months to figure out how we were going to pay for it. And, you know, just as the income came in, we paid it down. It was no interest for 18 months. And when we had this one down, we bought another one and you know, just kept pushing that, that expense out 18 months. You know, and that really helped us from a hardware standpoint. Now, you know, we have the, um, you know, now we, we have our laptops, we have our desktops, we have, you know, a laptop for one of our new agents. Uh, you know, we have some iPads as we went completely paperless this year. Um, but like, we didn't, we didn't end up having to really pay for anything almost upfront on any of that. Uh, it was all 18 months of zero interest financing. So when you look at a new computer of $1,200 or $1,500 these days, you know, that really only costs us. 75 to a hundred dollars a month, um, to, to get the hardware we needed to really make a difference. Because I can tell you without, without this hardware that we've been using without, you know, these computers that actually work or without, you know, some sort of, you know, hardware or computer system that actually operates how it's supposed to, you can't get anything done. You spend more time with, with technicians and paying for repairs and this and that to really, it's so distracting. So once, once we found out about that program, like I said, we bought the one computer, that was pretty much, we were sharing it for a little while. That was the backbone of our home office. And then, you know, we kept expanding and expanding and you started small, I guess it's the moral of that, but yeah, that's something. That, well, I think um, it's a good example of, uh, it's a good example of, you know, spending the time to figure out what's the best route versus just rushing out and saying, Hey, I need a computer. So let's drop, you know, five grand on computers this month without exploring any options to figure out, is there a way we can do this for less money? And that's the whole idea behind bootstrapping is figuring out, here's what we need, here's why we need it. Now let's explore a whole bunch of different ways of making that happen. Uh, and when you don't do that, you end up costing yourself a ton of money um, and time and energy and, and just wasted resources. Whereas if you take just a little bit of time to explore those things, Obviously, you're in a much better position. You can save yourself a ton of money. You can spread things out uh, just as you've as you've done. So I think uh, you know the the big thing that I'm taking away is your ability to actually kind of think strategically throughout this process of scaling and growing. So I love that you've been able to share these different examples of what it looks like to think strategically. Um, what comes next for you? I mean, you're, you're just launching Dirt to Doorbell. What comes next for you and and your wife? That is a great question. Um, so I can, I'll, I'll try not to go on and on about this, but, uh, so for the past about three months, we've really been assessing our, I guess you could call it a lead generation platform, but the bigger picture, our entire online presence, right? So, um, in the September, October of last year, my wife and I made the decision that, um, I was going to take a kind of take a step back from full-time selling real estate. Uh, she was going to kind of pick up some of that workload um, from myself so that I could really dig into how to, what, what systems can we put in place and how can I increase our digital presence for, you know, generating leads for building brand awareness, all of that. So, uh, and I, and, and I have a background in digital marketing, uh, websites, SEO, social media marketing, that type of stuff. I ran a company for a few years uh, that I had started um, that, you know, did all right at the beginning and then went back into real estate. I kind of shut everything down to give you just a little brief snapshot of that. But um, so over the last two and a half, three months, we've developed a 
full custom like CRM system that was extremely affordable. I'm not talking we went out and spent ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars. I'm talking you know spent you know a little a little under fifteen hundred dollars uh, getting this thing put together and built out, and uh, uh, definitely done some research and found some really innovative ways for creating you know online advertising and you know doing social media marketing and kind of trying to stay up with you know what's popular. Uh, we're going to be launching everything. Actually, actually everything goes live on Monday. Um, but it's, it's like over 30 different, uh, lead generation systems, like funnels that range from Facebook and Instagram to Google, to, you know, maps, to AdWords, to, you know, everything that we found was an option. We are going to, we're spending a little bit of money here, a little bit of money here, a little bit of money here and see, you know, what happens. But if anything, kind of just building a little more of an online presence, cause we had an awesome website and, uh, we, you know, we go and look at the traffic and it's like, uh, you've had zero visits in the last six months. <laughs> so we're like, well, it's awesome that we had this website for three years, but if nobody's ever been to it, you know, it's really not helping us. So yeah, that that's kind of where we're at right now. It's all going live on Monday. You know, it might completely crash and burn. It might do all right. We really have no idea, but we've put pretty much the last three months on hold um, from, a, I guess you could say, our personal lives standpoint. Um, to get this thing built out and see if, you know, it ends up bringing in any buyers and sellers, bringing us in any more business in the area. So now that we're over that, we're probably going to, once that goes live and we get all that tweaked out, you know, we're either going to be really busy or we're probably going to take a couple weeks to relax and figure out what the next step's going to be because um, we've, we've invested a lot of time into it and we're hoping it works. But with any entrepreneurial, you know, idea, some of them crash and burn. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's exciting, man. I, I love the initiative that you've uh, that you've demonstrated. I love that you're continuing to try new things. I think that's part of the game is not settling on one thing, um, you know, getting good at one thing, but always testing and trying new things that you can add to your business and to your portfolio. It's exciting, man. I'm excited for you, your family, for your businesses. Really appreciate having you on the podcast today. Yeah, I really appreciate having us. Uh, thanks, Kyle. Sorry, again, my wife really wanted to be here, but she had something come up last minute. So uh, I'll send her your regards. And uh, yeah, if uh, any of your listeners out there um, want, I guess, uh, one nugget, I don't know where most of your listeners are in the, the process of entrepreneurship, but I would say now there's a lot more focus on the um, tax savings benefits, different ways we can go about um, not having to cut a huge check at the end of the year, but maybe a half huge check. So those are definitely things that take a lot of time to get into and you want to make sure you have a good CPA. But other than that, yeah, if anyone's interested in my book, it's called, my wife and I's book, it's called A Greater Tampa Bay, Building the Fastest Growing City in America. You can get it on Amazon. Like I said, I don't make any money if you buy it. So if you're just interested, go buy it. <laughs> but yeah, thanks again for, uh, for having me on and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do this again. Absolutely, my man. Um, for those people listening, uh, that was Jeff Musgrave. Sounds like he has a, a fantastic story. Love what he's doing in terms of putting out content, writing the book, uh, coming up with new services like Dirt to Doorbell and their latest endeavor. Exciting stuff. A great example of how to take some initiative, test some things and make progress. Uh, this has been an episode of the Art of Strategic Reaction. I will catch you guys on the next episode.